Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Happy Friday. Glad you're with us. I'm David Brody. It's Friday, March 26, 2021. And look, I want to announce right at the beginning of the show that unlike Joe Biden, I will be anchoring the show with no note cards. Thank you very much. Now to the news. How about Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia? He signed a big new election integrity law that will attempt to make elections down there less fraudulent. For example, you would now be required to show a photo ID in order to vote absentee. Wow. Hey, radical. Of course, liberals call this very common sense move. Here's what they call it. Voter suppression. As you might imagine, the lawsuits are already flying down there in the Peach State. Also today, Democrats in distress. The 2022 midterms are Democrats poised to lose control of the U.S. House. Will Nancy Pelosi soon be retiring to her plush multi-million dollar home in San Fran? We are going to explore. And the controversy over female sports and the transgender issue. Should males who identify as females be allowed to compete with them? Arkansas became the second state in the country to say absolutely not. There is a growing movement across America to make sure female sports means biological females only. 20 state legislatures are pushing for this. One of those states, South Dakota, they passed a bill, but conservative Republican Governor Kristi Noem wants some changes before signing it into law. She's been criticized by conservatives who say that she's caving to pressure from corporate bullies like the NCAA and Amazon who won't do business in the state if the law is passed. Well, guess what? Joining me now to discuss this is indeed Kristi Noem. Governor, great to see you again. Thanks for being here. You too, David. Thank you for inviting me to be on your show. Well, uh, help me through this, help our viewers through this. So am I right when I say that you 100% support only biological females competing in female sports? Uh, and if this bill was just a K through 12 bill, you would sign it, but the problem is the college component here because the NCAA may sue the state or maybe take their business elsewhere. What's going on? Well, I agree with you, David. And I think a lot of people agree that only girls should be playing in girls sports. Uh, that's not up for dispute. The bill that was given to me by my legislature was very flawed and different from any other bill in the country right now. What I've done is ask the legislature to make some changes so that I can sign it into law. And uh, they will decide that on Monday. And my goal is really to protect our kids, make sure that we don't have boys playing in girls sports at the K-12 level and then also at the collegiate level, go fight a battle that we can win. That's why I started an initiative called DefendTitle9Now.com. And I hope everybody who sees your show, David, goes and signs up and becomes a part of this coalition. We are getting professional athletes, college athletes, governors, attorney generals, um, celebrities and everyday people to bond together so that we can be a force that the NCA and these companies have to reckon with so that we can go forward and make sure that we're taking action and pushing them to not bully one or two states to, but to be a compact so we really can win this issue so I'm hopeful that my legislature will adopt this bill uh, the changes that I'm recommending fix a lot of problems that are with it. There's no other bill in the country that's looked like this one. It just has some drafting errors in it. And then we can go forward and continue to fight to make sure we're protecting all girls' sports at all levels. 
Let me ask you about the NCAA. Have they been putting pressure then on the state of South Dakota here, Governor No? You know, previously they have in previous years when these bills have come. I have not heard from the NCAA, but, uh, you know, I'm sure I will with how I'm coming after them with this coalition. It's a nationwide coalition that we've got Herschel Walker, Jack Brewer, Nancy Lopez. We've got governors on board. Yeah. Uh, we've got attorney generals, Jeff Landry. So there's a, it's getting a lot of attention. Thousands and thousands of people are joining. So I'm sure that they'll um, be looking at us and, and me especially for trying to push this issue. But David, I want to remind everybody, I've been working on this issue for many, many years. That's right. Years ago, the federal government tried to say that rodeo couldn't have girls sports and boys events, that they had to be blended. And I was the only one who fought them and fought USDA and the federal government to make sure that the sport of rodeo could keep girls events and they didn't have to let boys participate in them and we won. So I've been doing this for a long time and my record's very clear that I truly do believe and have been successful making sure that girls sports stay girls sports. Right, so Governor, let me ask you, so conservatives say, look, uh, the NCAA is a, a big bully. Uh, you know, they probably are not gonna have tournaments in South Dakota if, if this went through. Amazon might take their business elsewhere and conservatives say, so what? Let them do it. Uh, the issue is too important. What's what's the reaction to that? You know, I agree. We need to fight, but we need to fight and win. So the difference that we're having in the debate we're having is over tactics. It's over strategy, and also the other bills that they're comparing South Dakota to um, just aren't the same. Except for Tennessee. It's interesting. A lot of these conservative groups have been talking about how wonderful the Tennessee bill is. That's the exact bill that I asked. The legislature to change this bill too. You know, the language that is on the governor's desk in Tennessee is exactly what I'm asking for. So the conservative group should be helping me reach out to my legislators and make sure that we're protecting kids and that we're doing this in a way that we can win the argument. And listen, yeah. I played sports. Um, yeah. my, my daughters both played college sports. I've got a grandbaby coming that's going to be a little girl in July, and I want her to be protected too. And I'm going to make sure that every girl here in the state of South Dakota that's 14, 15 years old isn't standing in a shower next to a 17-year-old boy because we didn't do this right. And so I'm going to do this in a way that actually protects those girls. I, I want to ask you, you've talked about these respected legal scholars. You, you've referred to them. I'm curious to drill down on that a little bit. Uh, they say the bill's not going to work. Who, who are they? I think people want to know where that advice is coming from because I know there are conservative legal scholars on the other side who, who disagree with these respected legal scholars. Yeah, they're the same scholars that you see on Fox News and all the other networks, the ones that have been defending President Trump, the same ones that you and I talk to every day. Um, and we look specifically at the South Dakota situation. One thing that nobody's mentioning in the national news, David, is that every single one of my federal judges in the state of South Dakota was appointed by Obama or Clinton. And every single one of them was a Democrat Party activist. They worked for the Democratic Party. So that's the legal challenge that I'm facing is knowing I'll get to that level and lose. We'll get to the Supreme Court and then we're putting our faith in John Roberts making the right decision to make sure we win this victory. And so I'm going into this with a wisdom to make sure that we don't set ourselves up for a situation where we have a decision like we did on gay marriage and it essentially gets a precedent put in court and case law that, that makes decisions for us that we could be winning on our own by building a coalition to go out there and really fight through the economic and the powerhouse of a coalition of states going at this together. Governor Nunn, there's been so much talk of you in 2024 and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but conservatives have been hitting you on this issue. What is your message to those conservative groups? You know, I think maybe some of them are hitting me um, because they think I'm doing something in 2024. And what I would just tell them is 
I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in being the governor of South Dakota. And so quit attacking me, work with me, and let's get some work done and actually win this issue. I'm a problem solver. I'm a farmer, rancher. This is what I've done my whole life. I've won these victories when I was in Congress. Help us win it here at the at the governor's level, but also state by state. And that's why everybody should go and register for defendtitle9now.com and make sure you're helping us win this in the court of public opinion too. As, as I wrap up on this topic, and then I want to get to the Down syndrome bill, but we've got just a few minutes. I just want to understand, uh, some conservatives will say, look, there's already a coalition. You've got dozens of state attorneys, uh, state's attorneys uh, working on this already in many states. So why not just, uh, that coalition is there already. What's, what's the response on that? Well, David, I think we've seen in this last year um, how important governors are, how important states are when they're unified and governors lead. And anybody who says I'm not willing to fight, they sure didn't watch me the last year. They sure haven't known me my whole life. I was the only governor in this country that never once closed a single business, that never once issued a shelter in place. I never mandated anything like masks. I didn't even define what an essential business was because I don't believe governors have the authority to tell a business they're not essential. So I stood alone for a whole year on, on that issue fighting yeah. because it was the right thing to do and that's what I'm doing on this issue as well. We have less than two minutes left and I gotta get to the Down syndrome bill that you, uh, I guess technically have signed in the law, I guess there's something, a big event coming on Monday, but talk to me about this important bill that in essence, what, bans abortions for those that would have Down syndrome or, or diagnosed that way, explain that? It does, it protects babies from being aborted upon the diagnosis of them having Down syndrome, having an extra chromosome. What we're seeing across the world is that some countries are essentially eliminating Down syndrome babies through abortions um, by picking and choosing what people are special and what people uh, they don't want to have. I don't wanna see that continue. And I certainly don't wanna see it in the state of South Dakota. There's some statistics that tell us that two out of three babies are aborted because of a Down syndrome diagnosis. And we know that diagnosis can happen as early as 10 weeks. So this is going to ensure, and it actually does now, it will be going into place soon, uh, that all babies are protected and they cannot be aborted when there is a diagnosis of Down syndrome and that's the reason for them wanting the abortion. Governor Christie Noem, really appreciate your time here to explain the issue, take, take the time to explain it to our audience. There is nuance here, and I think that's what you're trying to say here, nuance, you gotta understand some of this. Yeah, let's fight, but let's win. All right, Christy Noem, great to see you. Thank you, Governor. David, you bet. All right, Christy Noem from South, South uh, Dakota. Did I say Carolina? My goodness, strike that from the record. South Dakota, by the way, I've been out in South Dakota uh, visiting with uh, Christy Noem. I've known her over a decade or so. Look, she's no nonsense, okay, folks? Uh, so she's calling it, I believe she called it stylistic issues, and she's actually tactics. So this is a, a battle more over tactics than the actual morality of the issue. Uh, how do you get to the end goal? Uh, and I think that's something that conservatives will have a debate about in the coming weeks, months, and quite frankly, years. All right, we're back in a moment with Nathan Gonzalez, the editor of Inside Elections. Back in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. It was nice to have Governor Christy Nome from South Dakota, not South Carolina. Anyhow, South Dakota uh, here uh, in the first block of the show. You never know what kind of newsmakers we're going to have. Uh, lots of different. Mike Pompeo this week. I mean, who's been on? Uh, Laura Trump, uh, Christy Nome, Newt Gingrich was on the other day. Uh, hopefully, like I said, we'll get my mother. Uh, she's a tier A. Uh, she's an A-lister for sure. Uh, and here's another A-lister for sure. Uh, I don't want to say right next to my mother, but maybe close. Nathan Gonzalez, the editor of Inside Elections. Nathan, you are on the A-list with my mother. How do you feel about that? I mean, I'm honored. It's just uh, I'm just honored to be nominated. Uh, and and I would like to make an announcement that <laughs> I am coming to you from my basement, but I am not currently running for president. So not oh, quite okay. a newsmaker, but stay tuned. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Nathan Biden, ladies and gentlemen, uh, joining us uh, from his base. No, all right, Nathan doing stand-up humor here on the water cooler, uh, two shows nightly. Uh, all right, so Nathan, uh, Christy Nome was just on. Uh, she punted the whole, I shouldn't say punted. She said, I'm not interested. Uh, that was what she said. Uh, uh, I'm not interested in 2024. What's kind of uh, her terrain uh, as, as the, uh, the calendar moves forward into presidential election cycle territory? Well, first, I think the last couple of weeks are a good reminder that we have a long way to go before 2024. It feels like a few weeks ago we were crowning Governor Nome as uh, president of the United States. And now, you know, there's a little bit of disappointment uh, surrounding her. I know that she has her explanation for exactly why she's making the decisions. And ultimately, we'll we'll see how how it plays out with this specific bill and how Republican primary voters feel about it. But I, you know, what she is saying now about not being interested is what you say as a candidate right up until the point where you announce your candidacy for president. I mean, I remember Illinois Senator Barack Obama telling Tim Russert on Meet the Press that he wasn't going to run for president, and he obviously ran for president later. So it's it's what politicians say before they actually announce their candidacy. Right. That's a good point, Nathan. Let's go to some of the headlines uh, out down there in Georgia. The Georgia legislature approving this election integrity bill. I know Democrats and maybe the media would call it something different. They would say a voter rights suppression bill. I get it. I understand the politics involved. Uh, but uh, Brian Kemp signed it into law. The new law requires voter ID for absentee ballots, limits drop box collections, and expands weekend voting after a contentious 2020 election. Of course, there's a lot more in that bill. What's, what's the sense right now about all of the activity in these states as we lead up to 2022 here? Well, first of all, uh, Georgia, Democrats are going to challenge this in court. And yeah. this is what we're going to see around the country, you know, where Republicans are making laws, Democrats are going to challenge, where Democrats are making laws, Republicans are going to challenge. So this this is not a guarantee that what is in this bill is actually going to be sort of the new regulations for the upcoming elections. Uh, I think we learned in 2020 as well that voters uh, adapt to the rules of the game. You know, there were a lot of rules that changed before the 2020 elections and voters figured it out. Right. You know, if they didn't have access to their normal precinct or voting place, they figured out the mail balloting. And so uh, I'm, I'm not convinced that it, there will be a fundamental change uh, or a fundamental impact on the elections if uh is if voters are motivated to to do whatever is necessary to cast their ballot. But well, I would say that if if when elections are close, everything matters. You know, and, and so any little change in the law or 
uh, the weather, <laughs> lots of different factors. In close elections, everything matters, and that's why the stakes are high, because Georgia was an extremely close state in 2020. Well, and just to clarify, I mean, most states, it was uh, many uh, bureaucrats that were making election law decisions, whether it be uh, a governor or a state local official. It wasn't an actual body, a state legislature. It did happen uh, in, in a couple states, but overall, a lot of these changes in 2020, that's the, that was the whole big contention, that it wasn't going through what, what conservatives believe is the constitutional way to do it. So. Yeah, and, and well, you know, the Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, for example, you know, the, the legislature did change the law, and then there was contention about what happened sure. later subsequent to, subsequent to that. But I think I would just say that for if you want to change the rules of the game, you better be willing to play by the rules when the circumstances change. And, and we see this in the United States Senate, right? When, when Democrats chose to change the rules of the game on judges, uh, and that came back to bite them when Republicans were in charge. Right. And so I think that's a good example of, again, if you change the rules if you want, but you better be prepared to play by them because circumstances change. Which makes me think of the potential changes to the legislative filibuster. If that happens, uh, this reminds me of Harry Reid in 2013 changing the filibuster on judges, and McConnell one-upped him on Supreme Court. And here we are again. Uh, I want to play Newt Gingrich real quick. He was on the show yesterday. I want to get your reaction to this. He's talking about Democrats probably are going to have to change the legislative filibuster. Otherwise, we're going to get nothing done, especially in HR one. And here's why HR one on election voting is so important. Have a listen. Well, I think they, if they can't fix the filibuster, they can't pass H.R. 1. And I think they've concluded that if they don't rig the election, they're going to lose badly next year. Remember, in 1994, two years after Clinton was elected, we picked up 54 seats and controlled the House for the first time in 40 years. In, uh, 19, in 2010, two years after Obama was elected, we picked up 63 seats under John Boehner. Uh, so given how close the margin is right now, I think it's five or six seats, uh, it's almost inevitable that McCarthy is going to become the next speaker unless the Democrats can find a way to rig the election. What's your take on what he said, Nathan? Well, a lot of moving parts there. Um, first of all, I would agree that without changing the filibuster, I'm not sure how S1 or HR1 and S1 gets passed in the Senate. Right. I just don't see how the votes are there. Uh, but to what uh, the former speaker was talking about on needing to rig the election, I mean, under the current rules of the election or the rules that were in place in 2020, Democrats won. Uh, they <laughs> won the presidency. They won the Senate. They kept the House. So I don't know that there is necessarily uh, that, that 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 incentive lines up that they have to change the rules to win. Um, now, look at we just got done talking about Georgia, where Republicans are changing the rules. If they are so confident in, in their standing in the state, why are they moving to change the rules in a state that they lost? But we'll 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 set that aside. But uh, new uh, speaker uh, Speaker Gingrich is right that history is on Republican side in a midterm election. Normally, the president's party suffers, and we'll have to see if those trends play out or if if voters are less less anxious in a midterm because uh, the economy is doing better. We're over the COVID nineteen. You know, we're just in a better place, but it's a, it's a long way to go to 2022 still. All right. Nathan Gonzalez, really appreciate you, sir. Editor inside elections from the basement, but the, don't don't take that the wrong way. You're just from the basement. I'm I leaving just... options open, but not currently running. <laughs> OK, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Nathan Gonzalez leaving his options open. Madison, that's news. 
That's news. Nathan Gonzalez leaving his options open to potentially running for something. I'm not quite sure what he'd be running for. All right, uh, when we come back, Pastor Brian Gibson uh, with uh, Peaceably Gather. He's the founder there. We're going to talk about uh, the cake maker, Jack Phillips, the transgender cake. Back in a moment. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, religious liberty always in the news, and you know we cover it here at The Water Cooler. And guess who else is back in the news? Captain Jack. Just kidding. I don't even know if that's not his name. It's Jack Phillips. Uh, here's the headline from the Associated Press. Uh, Colorado Baker, that's Jack Phillips, sued again over alleged LGBTQ bias. Alleged. Yeah, come on. Give me a break. I mean, this is the same Baker uh, back, uh, what was it, two and a half years ago in 2018, who won at the Supreme Court uh, pretty handily, too, uh, when he refused to bake a cake for a same-sex uh, couple's marriage. And now it's back again. Uh, this time he won't bake a transgender cake. I mean, what else am I supposed to call it? Is there any other term for transgender cake? You know, when you go to Safeway and you say, hey, can I get a transgender cake? How does that work? Whatever. All right, let's talk to Brian Gibson. Why did I say Safeway? Uh, Pastor Brian Gibson, founder of Peaceably Gather, uh, joining me now. Uh, good to see you, sir. Well, hey, David, it's it's an honor to be back with you. And uh, I'll say this about, about Jack. Uh, it's a shame they will not leave this man alone yeah. and allow him to have his own belief system, his own religious freedom, and, and let him run his business. And uh, this, without a shadow of a doubt, this second lawsuit was targeted. I believe the, I believe the person that, that has filed the suit uh, is an attorney um, themselves mm -hmm. and, and actually went in there and took the cake, uh, the cake in on a key day in um, in the Baker's, um, you know, judicial process. Yes, that's right. So it was all a setup. It was all it was all made to to draw attention. Uh, right. It's a target on religious freedom. And it's one of those things they're just not going to let go because it's a hot topic. Get some press. It gets some attention. And that, that's that's what the design is here. Well, see, I think you hit uh, the nail on the head there about they're just not going to let go. Uh, and, and I don't even think you mentioned press for sure. It's about press and they have a sympathetic media and everything. But this is about values in this country. This is about a fight for saving the Judeo-Christian principles of our country. And you've got the, the, it's not just the left, I mean, it is the left, but the LGBTQ folks who have been trying to codify this stuff in a law for decades now. And the question that I have for you, Pastor Gibson, is what, what's the response? I mean, where is the Black Robe Regiment? Where are evangelicals in this? Because if, if they don't pony up, then you might as well get out of Dodge at this point. Yeah, well, I'll say this, evangelicals, as bad as I hate to admit it, they're afraid to stand for their values in America because they know that cancel culture will come after them if they speak up and stand out. Uh, I've spoken out on multiple issues, and I've had the mob come after me uh, in such a way, you know, I had to have armed security for a period of time. So they know that kind of thing is coming, and it's a shame that America's preachers who stand up and preach, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind, aren't ringing the bell on this. 
because we're, we're looking at this issue right now with, uh, with the Baker. But this thing is widespread across America with the Equality Act, David. And the Equality Act is going to render certain people's religious freedoms impossible in America. Anywhere that there's, there's a public assembly or a congregation, you, you have to uh, lay down your values of what you see to be appropriate for human sexuality according to your religion to this act. And, and it, it, it's, they've tried in the beginning to separate uh, what goes on in a church service or a synagogue or a mosque from everyday life so they could make this separation. But religious liberty isn't just for the church house, it's for everyday Americans. Um, that, that bill, the Equality Act, it, people haven't talked about this, but it's highly anti-Semitic as well. And, and here's why. If you're an Orthodox Jew, whenever you worship together, there are men on one side, women on the other side, right? right? There's a divide, and that's a part that's a part of their theology. The Equality Act will come after the Jewish community where all of those Jewish worship rights will be deemed illegal. They'll be able to be sued over them. Uh, prosecution could come. It's horrific what it will do in that community. So, But pastors ought to stand up. Rabbis ought to stand up. Everybody better speak out now before it's too late and religious liberty's gone. Yeah, you just wonder where this is going. You make a great point on the anti-Semitism part of this. I didn't even think about uh, something along those lines, uh, for, for sure. Uh, so, so the question then becomes, because we talked about codifying this into law, that's what the Equality Act does. I mean, in essence, uh, th then it ma makes me wonder where, when this creeps into the pulpit. In other words, uh, a pastor all of a sudden is exhibiting hate speech. I mean, you know, th this is, and, you know and, and I know the left and the media will say, oh, give me a break. It's, you're just trying to rile up the base. We're not trying to rile up the base. I mean, th this is, a, in Canada, it's already happening for sure. We've seen that with pastors. What about here in America? That's the concern. Yeah, well, that, that's already happened all over Europe, all, all over, uh, like you say, Canada, some of these other nations. Um, so, so that's coming here. And they do want that legal stronghold where they can put the pastors into an arm bar. And that would make it if a preacher walks up, and uh, I, I know a lot of the laws in Europe, if you stand up and say, for instance, say homosexuality is a sin, uh, man, that is hate speech. That's off the table. You're, you're out, and you can be prosecuted by, by law. Uh, now, some of those laws are written where those guys have to say, like, the Bible says this scripture, right? But they can't make a statement, and that, that's the death of religious liberty. Uh, they want to codify it in the law so they can shut the mouth of the church and so they can further demonize us. Uh, I really, I, I believe this. This is this is this is scary in this sense, David. Uh, they want the legal grounds. They're using cancel culture to condition America about these issues. And and the question is, okay, right now it's cancel you. Next time it's prosecute you. What is the step after that? What does history tell us the next step might be? Could it be get rid of you? Because I believe this, I believe that cancel culture is dress rehearsal for mass murder in the future. Hmm. Let me say that again. Cancel yeah. culture is dress rehearsal for mass murder. We're, we're training a, a whole generation. If somebody doesn't agree with you, you can get rid of them. Where does, where's the end game in that? That's, that's, the, that's the real concern. And so we have to stop the madness. We have to stop the legal stuff. We got to stop it now. Yeah, I got thirty seconds, but you got you got you to. I got to follow up on that. What, what are you What are you suggesting? I say suggesting. You said it very clearly. What, what do you mean by mass murder? I mean, you mean mass murder? That, I mean, that's the next I, step here. I mean, if you look at history, where this type of thought, this type of thing has went on, it does not end well for anyone. 
whenever faced or demonized, whenever opposing views are silenced, whenever, uh, whenever people are canceled, right? You just keep going down the list. Has it ever ended well for humanity? The answer is no. Because uh, if you can demonize people like that, you can push them out of society, you can get rid of them. And I think we can look at a lot of places in history and see plenty of examples where Marxist culture took it there. Pastor Brian Gibson, uh, founder of Peaceably Gather, uh, really appreciate your insight and, uh, and boldness, especially in today's society. Thanks. Thanks, Pastor. Hey, thanks for having me, David. All right. Uh, and you know what? Uh, here, here's kind of the overall point, right? Learn from the lessons of the past. Read some history, do some research, and understand what has happened before. Back in a moment. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I look forward to a couple different things uh, during the day. Uh, dinner in the evening uh, has to be over 150 carbs for sure. And then I also look forward to, right here on The Water Cooler, the poll of the day. The Water Cooler poll of the day. That guy needs a weekend off because that voice is... Uh, I'll be honest with you, it's a bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know the word. All right, during the pandemic, CDC guidelines recommend always wearing a mask in public and staying six feet away from other people. Also, the CDC recommends avoiding restaurants, bars, fitness centers, and other indoor locations. Within the past month, here's a question for you. Have you violated any of those CDC guidelines? 38% are truthful. They say yes. 54% of people are lying. I'm sorry, they said no. Really? Come on. And 8% are not sure if they've done it or not because they're not measuring six feet or they don't know if they've been to a restaurant or a bar. Give me a break, whatever. I, you don't know, like how I have analysis on, on the poll every day. I mean, that comes with the poll. It's the poll of the day and then water cooler analysis by uh, yours truly, David Brody. Uh, let's talk about Joe Biden, shall we, about the economy and uh, that press conference that uh, I'm still trying to figure out who Jim Eagle is. But that's a separate, separate issue. I'm still working on that. I'm researching on Wikipedia. I can't find it. Uh, but he did talk about the economy and the GDP. This is what he said. Since it was passed, a majority, a majority of economic forecasters have significantly increased their projections on the economic growth that's going to take place this year. They're now projecting it will exceed 6%, a 6% growth in GDP. And just this morning, we learned the number of people filing for weekly unemployment insurance fell by nearly 100,000 persons. It's the first time in a year the number has fallen below the pre-pandemic high. So there are still too many Americans out of work, too many families hurting, and they still have a lot of work to do. But I can say to you, the American people, Help is here, and hope is on the way. Now, I'll be happy to uh, take your questions. Yeah, so help is here, hope is on the way. Note cards by Joe Biden. Let's bring in Dr. Dave Bratt, uh, Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. Uh, Dr. Bratt, the doctor's in the house. Good to see you, sir. Hey, you too, David, thanks. 
GDP, uh, he's talking about numbers. Uh, I'm not quite sure where what his economic or who his economic scholars are. What are you hearing? What's word on the economic street here? Well, in a sense, it's a true statement, but it's true like this one. If you go to your rich uncle and you say, hi, can I have a $5 trillion loan from you? And then you're asked the question, what happened to your family income after you borrow $5 trillion, the stimulus package, from your rich uncle? Did your family income really grow? Or are you in debt $5 trillion that you're going to spend? Huh. And you probably can't pay it back ever. So in reality, we know it's a farce, right? Economic growth is caused by capital, business capital, human capital, and technology. It, economic growth, the engine, uh, does not move faster because you take on more debt and because the Federal Reserve System adds another $7 trillion in funny money uh, to run a sugar high. So uh, he, he's using GDP growth, right? It, it's consumption is 70% is of GDP is growing, but investment is not growing. And so the, the kids have to pay back uh, the, the $30 trillion of debt plus the $100 trillion in unfunded liabilities to Medicare and Social Security and all that, and the $7 trillion in the, uh, uh, of the Federal Reserve money is going to create inflation and devalue everybody's uh, green dollar bills. So there's that, that's a short-run summary of Biden's uh, statement is technically true, but uh, philosophically and meaningfully totally false. So, so Dave, uh, so economics is not like my forte, but let me just understand this. So the company, the company, the country is reopening. So with that comes what? Economic growth, lower unemployment numbers. I mean, I, I can see Biden and the media along with him uh, taking credit for this surge and they're going to credit it all to the COVID stimulus bill. And Biden is the most is the best thing since sliced liver, sliced bread, sliced liver. What am I talking? He's not chopped liver, sliced bread. I don't know what I'm talking about. Go ahead. No, that, that, of course, the, 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 the media is a monopoly. So, you know, the story that's coming your way. Right. And so, yes, the economy is going to open up, but we're on a, a trend growth rate of about one percent, one and a half percent. Right. And then when when Biden raises taxes, uh, the economy is roughly a corpse right now without the stimulus. Just just ask yourself, what would the economy look like without the stimulus bills? And if you say bad, well, that's that's the answer. That's the economy. The stimulus bills is just money you're borrowing from your children, and they're going to have to pay it back. So we're stealing from the next generation in order to have a pulse right now. And that that's the story. Yeah, so it's all smoke and mirrors, basically. Yes, all, all of it. All yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I, I don't know. Can you help me on the stimulus checks? People are getting, what, $1,400 or whatever. It's direct deposited. Yeah. What's the tax situation on that? So they, they, they got to pay taxes on that? Uh, a lot of, or How does that work? Do we know anything about that? I, I would think so. I would think it's normal. And the, uh, you know, it's, folks are getting 1000 The The piece that's left off are, are big tech billionaires, right? Uh, they're, they're all leftists right now, and they're saying they want to help the poor. Uh, what are they doing, right? So the, we're, we're paying off the American people a thousand bucks to not notice uh, the bazillionaire class that's getting sweetheart deals uh, in the stimulus bill and the swamp. Uh, basically, every green new deal, right, is a deal for the leftist uh, folks. It, it's kind of like a Venezuela, right? It's like a, 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 a third world country mentality right now. Uh, you know, your, your uncle owns this uh, industry, your cousin owns this industry. 
And that's what they're doing up in DC right now. Instead of small business people competing and using markets and creating new products, it's unheard of. Uh, everything's going up through the swamp uh, by the trillions. And that, that we're going to have the implications of this uh, on our economy for a decade or two as they unfold. Dr. Dave Bratt, really appreciate you. Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. By the way, you are a doctor. I want to be a doctor of anchoring, but I don't know how to do that. How do I get a doctorate in anchoring? I don't know how to do that. We, we, we got a doctor of communications for you at Liberty. Hey, come on over. Hey, I heard that. Hey, we're going to have to end this show now. Well, let's just stunt. We're done <laughs> at like 45 minutes. Thank you, Dave. I'm on my way. You bet. I'm on All my right, way. All right, doctor. Thank you, sir. Hey, don't t don't take that the wrong way, by the way. I mean, I, I love doing the show. And Madison, I, I don't mean to ditch you and the crew, but he just offered me a job uh, on the air. How do I turn that down? We're coming back with the last sip. Uh, if you think you've seen Joe Biden's press conference, good game. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for a Friday last sip, which means we're a little bit more goofy on Friday. All right, we're kind of goofy every day, but we're even more goofy on Friday because, you know, I know you watched Joe Biden's press conference, or, or did you? Uh, I still can't get that time back uh, in, in my life. Uh, but uh, I, we actually saw his press conference done a bit of another way by the folks, the, the funny folks at the United spot. Uh, we, we always think they're kind of funny, and uh, this was their take on Biden's press conference. <laughs> Joe, you got this. Come on now, take a deep breath. Uh, all right. Holy cow, what, what was in that coffee? I, I, I feel like I'm 25 years old. I, I, I feel like I can stay awake for 10 whole minutes. All right, uh, where, where's that iPad at? Hey, come on, man. Who took my iPad? Hey, man, I, 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 I need my iPad. Anybody see my iPad? I, I can't answer the questions without the, uh, the iPad. There's no teleprompter either. I'm just going to wing it. All right, first question. Mr. President, what's your plan on gun control? Ah, uh, well, yeah, that, that's tricky. I mean, uh, the, 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 the roads downtown have a lot of potholes. So the, so the first thing I'm going to do is uh, make, make sure that the, the movie theater has warm butter and, and the gas stations have bags of Skittles because the most important thing about gun control is making sure each home in America has a pomegranate tree. And, 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 and that's all I got to say about that. Mr. President, what are your plans for the border? <laughs> I, re I remember that we rehearsed this last night. Uh, let me see, what was the answer to this question? Um, gosh darn it, I sure wish I had my, my iPad right now. Uh, let's see, uh, uh, just like we rehearsed, I remember it. Oh, gosh darn it, I forgot it already. Uh, let's see, come on, Joe, snap out of it. <laughs> uh, where's my iPad? By the way, I, I have my, uh, it's not an iPad, it's just my iPhone. I have notes too, uh, just like Joe Biden. These are my water cooler show notes. It says, read prompter, uh, pretend to understand. Uh, Google my name during the show, uh, smile, and uh, don't hiccup. So those are my uh, notes uh, that I look at every day uh, here uh, on the water cooler. Uh, by the way, one question I had, a serious question uh, for Joe Biden that was never asked at the press conference, why is everything being referred now to as the Biden-Paris administration? What's up with that exactly? I would have been very curious to hear his answer on that, but uh, no, instead we've got, uh, you know, other questions and all right we're back in a moment with uh oh anna perez is here uh, thanks for reminding me i feel like joe biden someone's got to remind me who's next 
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. It is Friday, the end of the show. Uh, I'm tired, uh, but you don't care about me. Uh, but let's find out what Anna Perez has to say, Real America's Voice correspondent. Anna, good to see you. Good to see you. My bad, great to see you. Great to see you. Oh, thank you for <laughs> thank you for just upping me. Yeah, I know. Fantastic you. to see you. You know what? Wunderbar. No, never again. All right. Uh, Wunderbar? Uh, what's Tom Cotton is in the news? Yeah. What, what's happening here? So Senator Tom Cotton introduced a bill uh, just yesterday, actually, that um, is called uh, combating racism, or sorry, combating uh, racist, sorry, racist training in the Military Act. Um, and basically, what that does is it uh, it bans the critical race training that's happening in the military, mm -hmm. um, which I don't think a lot of Americans are aware of is happening. No, I, no. Um, most yeah, know. yeah. I mean, a month ago, actually, the U.S. Navy released their recommended uh, reading list, and it included books by Ibram X. Kendi and uh, Robin DiAngelo, which, of course, are you know books that basically suggest that you know American America is an inherently racist country, and that white people are inherently racist. Um, and so, this bill would sort of take away all of that. Um, and I think uh, I think it's interesting that this comes after, of course, Biden gave a speech about the military. Mm -hmm not long ago where he actually introduced the idea that the that they were going to be making uh, maternity flight suits in the military so oh, they, right. he got a lot of backlash for that yeah so i mean this bill's not going anywhere obviously yeah obviously. But, so so this is interesting because th this is a biden agenda situation right because trump was trying to do the exact opposite or was doing the exact opposite for a while but this is seems to be totally different right exactly and like you said you know with the democrat controlled house and senate it's likely not going to go anywhere but i think this definitely highlights an important issue you know not only conservatives but a lot of americans in general are questioning you know is the military really the place to push a more woke agenda you know this is something that is completely antithetical to what the military actually is if you think about it you know it's all about unity and bringing you know the military together you want a strong unified military you don't want people who are going to be fighting over racism or reading racism books i don't even know why that would be a suggestion in the military to begin with so for sure i think i don't think it'll really go anywhere but i think it certainly highlights an important issue oh 100 i think that's a great point actually you know why are we bringing politics into the military i say politics just this wokeism stuff into the military mm -hmm. for sure and and transgender paying for transgender surgeries i mean get get all that stuff away Anyhow. exactly my take uh, yes, great to see you. I can confirm that. Great to see you. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad we got that all out of the way. Uh, so that's the end of the show. I wish I had more to say. There's nothing left on Prompter for me to say. And you know the deal. I read what's on Prompter. Madison puts it there, and I just read it. Hey, have a great weekend. Madison's telling me to say goodbye.